0: And welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. I'm Mark Unger, the senior pastor here at Celebration Church. Glad that you are able to be with us as we uh, look into the scriptures tonight. We are in the book of Judges, and uh, we have just finished the story of Samson. And, uh, and then we skipped over chapters uh, 17 and 18 because I don't know what they're talking about. It's some weird story about some fight over some idols and... You know, I I guess the point of recording this is that uh, this is how we find out where the Dan, the people of the tribe of Dan wound up and built their city there. And If if nothing else, I mean, read it on your own time, but it just shows how dysfunctional these people were at this point. They were getting so far away from God. They would mess up. They would get confused about idols and all kinds of stupid things. and uh, Just weird. Anyway, so anyway, we're in chapter 19. And we're reading this very bizarre story about uh, this uh, Levite and his concubine. And uh, concubines, as we said last week, are uh, they're kind of wives. <laughs> I've never quite understood it. But you have a wife who has the, the strongest legal status, and then you have the concubine who's the same thing as a wife, but without all the, the legal status. So I... anyway. <clears throat> So this guy has um, a concubine. And uh, we read in verse 2 that she was unfaithful to him because she left him and went back to her father's house in Bethlehem uh, in Judah. Uh, And uh, I I talked about last week about, you know, it's interesting the Bible says that she was unfaithful to him. Now, unfaithful in the sense that she wasn't there for him. And uh, I was talking about how you can be unfaithful in your marriage— without committing adultery you can be unfaithful by, by not being there I spoke specifically uh, as we closed last week about uh how couples many couples surprisingly shockingly to me how many couples Christian couples deny each other uh their uh sexual rights I mean they, they don't have sex with each other and stuff and I point out look when you're doing that you're being sexually unfaithful to your spouse you don't have the right it's morally wrong For you to deny the sexual needs of your spouse. Not to say that you can't work through issues and stuff and if there's health issues you need to get it fixed or you know, whatever. But you don't have the right to just go, I don't feel like it, I don't wanna and that is, in my opinion, immoral for a person of faith. And I don't think I will bless you. Why not? Because you're being sexually unfaithful to your spouse. Anyway. But there's other ways you can be unfaithful. I mean, a lot of men are unfaithful to their wives because they're never there. They're never there. They don't connect with their children, they're uh narcissistic little snots that just all they want to do is do what they want to do when they want to do it and uh, they're at work all day long and when they come home uh, they want to leave and go be with their buddies uh, that night and then on weekends they're all fishing and hunting and uh, they're hardly ever at home. Uh, and in my opinion, again, you are being unfaithful. Again, you don't have to think of in terms of, gee, well, as long as I'm not having a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever on the side, I'm not being unfaithful. No, 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 no. You can be unfaithful when you're not there. And a lot of people, a lot of people uh, are in marriages where there's this blatant unfaithfulness, even though there's not a third party involved at all. And it really needs to stop. You need to be in a situation, you've made a commitment to somebody, you have a family, you have a wife, you have children, uh, you have a husband. You need to be faithful to that person and make sure that you put your energy and time to there and that you are there. So, having made that point, what you need to understand about this particular story is while the Bible says she was unfaithful because she wasn't there anymore, she had left and gone back to live with her dad, this woman was perfectly justified. I'm absolutely sure, and you'll see see why in a minute, why she was justified in leaving her husband. Her husband was an intolerable ass of a man. I know that's crude, and a lot of people don't like words like that in church, but honestly, people, there's no other word for some of these guys self-centered narcissistic little snots, all they care is about themselves, and uh this woman, I'm sure, left him and went back to dad because he was being i am certain of it, an absolute jerk and you know uh and, and you'll you'll find out why in a second here, but this you know, you know, it's interesting. Here, here let's keep reading this one. So she, she had been there for four months. So she'd gone back and she was with dad. Well, then her husband went to persuade her to return. Yes, ding, 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 ding. I am a big proponent of uh, men and women, usually women, uh, because uh, it's the men oftentimes uh, that act very badly in relationships. But uh, sometimes it's the woman, and I encourage the guys the same way. But but for spouses, when you are married to a guy, a woman, who's acting in outrageous fashion, bad ways, destructive ways, mean, nasty. And I'm not talking, gee, he won't pick up his underwear kind of stuff. I'm talking just mean, self-centered, narcissistic jerks. The stories I hear—I wish you could, hear, I wish you could hear these stories. You should listen to my radio show uh, every day, Monday through Friday, ten o'clock, ten to eleven, or podcast it later. You can catch it on the internet at uh, markungershow dot com. But uh, the stories—you should hear the stories of people who their spouses act in ways that are just inconceivable. It's insane the way these people act, and these people overwhelmingly, particularly from a female perspective, again because. A lot of times it's guys that are doing this. And, and why is that? Because I think we've created a very bad culture in America today where we've created a generation of boys who've never really grown into men. It is what it is. Ironically, it is the women, their mothers and their girlfriends and their wives who have helped create these narcissistic little snots. All right. But the biggest loser in this deal has been the women. We have a generation of men. And, and if you've known me at all, you know I'm constantly challenging men uh to uh man up and stop being selfish little boys and grow up and become responsible and be a proper husband and a proper man a proper father in their homes but uh, so a lot of this uh, as overwhelmingly it's guys who act very very badly and these women will uh get all upset because of Really bad behavior. I mean, they got girlfriends on the side. They're looking at porn. They're uh, staying out till three in the morning, drinking with their buddies, doing whatever they want. Uh, never home going. Every spare chance they're off fishing or hunting and, and neglect their families. I mean, this stuff is outrageous. They never do a stinking puking thing around the house. Never help the girl in any way, shape, or form. Really bad behavior. And again, sometimes it's the, the woman on the same way. But you know, and, and I say to women, they come to me, well, what should I do? And I say, well, what's... What do you do about it? And overwhelmingly, they say, well, I tell him how it hurts me. Or I tell him how it feels. or oh, I've tried to explain to them. I try to reason with it. Women, listen to me. Men do not respond to words. I know that sounds weird to you. Because you're a woman, and women respond to words. It's the language of women. La, 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 la. Man, you girls respond to words that weren't even spoken for crying out loud. Anything that was kind of hinted at some cosmic level, you're responding. But we're men, and men don't respond to words. Men respond to consequences. And you're just talking him to death is not helping. Well, I tried to share how, how it hurts me and how I feel. Listen, you might as well be speaking Swahili to him. When a guy's acting very selfish and narcissistic and being just a jerk, and you're going, trying to explain your feelings, all he hears is la, 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 He's not hearing a word you're saying. Look at the results. It has no impact on him. You have to understand, men are very simple mathematicians. A plus B equals C. All right? I do this, and this, and I get this. Bottom line. Now, if he acts in a certain way but yet the sum of your life is you still take care of him you still feed him you still wash his clothes you still make love to him you still take care of his home you still mow the lawn I don't know how some of you guys get your wives to do that but anyway you're doing all this stuff what is his motivation exactly to change just because you said something to him hello it doesn't work at some point, there has to be consequences. And again, I'm talking outrageous behavior, really bad destructive behavior. And I think at the end of the day, the most effective thing a woman can do is move out or kick the bum out of the house and separate, use separation. Now, for some reason, particularly in the faith community, and I think, <laughs> we're so dysfunctional, I just look at the mess we're in. But for some reason, when it comes to the idea of Wives separating from their husband, Christian community just has a cow about that. Don't do that. Don't do that. you shouldn't do that. You need to stay there and you need to love him, you need to tolerate all this stuff. and lot misquote a bunch of scriptures, Adam. But what's the end result? Nothing changes. But yet these very same people who are against women separating from their husbands, when they're acting badly, and, and they're totally against that. They will just be all cheers and put their arms around them if they divorce them. And I don't understand that. At, at some level, I think it's dysfunctional. It's, it's kind of like, you know, there's people who, who like uh, being the heroes. You know what I'm saying? They like uh, stepping in. A lot, of, a lot of you girls, women do this, you know. They marry guys who are absolute disasters. And, and it's like, hello, what are you doing? But there's a part of that that appeals to them because they like to be the saviors. They like to be the redeemers. They like to be the fixers, you know. They like to be, you know, the super people that come in and 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 redeem these guys. Bad idea, by the way, okay? But there's there's a part of that of being the hero that appeals to people. And I think at some point, some dysfunctional point, I think people in the Christian community are more more comfortable with the idea of divorce. Then they are with separation, because separation means a fight. We're going to fight this out. We're going to, we're going to deal with issues. I think they'd rather have someone in a complete mess and divorce and just run around and be well. We'll be there for you, and we'll love you, and help you, and we'll have special classes for you. You know, and I'm all for that. I'm all for that. It's great. But hey, how about we be a little smarter than this? How about we start fighting for the marriages early on, and fighting while they still care? So this is what happens. Overwhelmingly, women, and again, sometimes men. I've talked to guys who who had the same problem. Their wives, you know. <laughs> I got boyfriends. I got uh, the same kind of thing. It's just you don't hear it very often the other way around. But then the guy tolerates it and they put up with all this nonsense. But y- you've got this situation where these people are acting very badly. The spouse, and I look at him and say, Man, you need to kick him out of the house or you need to move out. You know, and say, Hey, we're not going to play this game until we get this straight. And they go, Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. But you know what happens? They keep hanging in there. They keep slowly dying emotionally. And they finally get to the point where they snap on the inside and then they leave him anyway. But now they don't care. And overwhelmingly what happens if you will confront these things in a timely manner, the offending spouse overwhelmingly comes back and tries to save it. And now you have their attention. Just like here. She goes home. She's with dad because this guy is just a complete moron. But he, what does it do? It gets his attention. After four months, he comes to her. He come, but here's what happens. Most of these women, again, sometimes men, they wait until they don't care anymore and then they leave and then the offending spouse overwhelming, I'm saying the 80, 90 percentile, come crawling back trying to save it. You know what they say then? The wife or the husband, I don't care. It's too late. It's too late. I don't care anymore. And I, this happens every day. There will be thousands of people today, I promise you, in America, overwhelmingly women, 80% of all divorces today are being filed by women who can't take it anymore. They will divorce this guy. They'll file for divorce. This guy will freak. He'll cry. He'll come back. He'll be begging, trying to save it. And overwhelmingly, they will say, too late. Too late. And all I'm trying to say is, hey, why don't you fight for your marriage while you still care? Why don't you confront it so that now this offending person will come and you're still in a place where you still have a heart for this person? Where you still have a heart where you're willing. And then you've got their attention. And now we can really face these issues. I'm not saying tolerate the issues. I'm saying confront the issues. But goodness gracious. Don't be hanging in there for years and years and years. Now sometimes. Uh, even during the separation it doesn't work. But overwhelmingly it's these people who have waited for years and years and years and years. And they're so, everybody's so set in their ways. Even when they try the, the, the separation thing it doesn't work. This is something you need to do early on. And. It's not the kind of thing you should do casually. This is the kind of thing you should come to me if you need to. So have an appointment with your pastor and let's talk these things through or mentors in the church or people that you really trust. Help your family if, if, they're, if they're not dysfunctional wackos and, and help them walk through it and talk it through and then your supporting world around you says, man, you need to separate from this person. Then you have the support and the help and even the financial support if need be to be able to take the stand. Don't just be running off, I'm leaving because he won't pick up his underwear or whatever, you know. Don't just be casually doing this stuff. I'm not arguing for that. I'm saying do it with the greatest of support and with the most amount of wisdom and advice that you can, but do it. Don't be staying, some of y'all, and I know you're in my church, some of you are staying in outrageous circumstances where he is treating you in ways that even a pagan or heathen down the street would tell you you're nuts for putting up with. And at some, you know, I don't know you listen to some Bible study on tape somewhere who said, you know, you need to stay in there. You need to hang in there no matter what. And I'm telling you it's bad advice because it doesn't work. Overwhelmingly, it doesn't work. In fact, in all the years I've been doing this, I don't think I've ever seen it work. What I have seen work overwhelmingly, and there's a bunch of you that even listening to me right now, where you laid down the law, you moved out of the house. Some of you filed divorce. And it got his attention and he came and repented and you were able to heal the thing and now you have a fabulous marriage because you fought for it while you still cared. And by the way, um, you supporting people around, don't be so quick to encourage people to get divorced. I mean, come on. Especially when there's kids involved. The worst thing you can do for those kids is push them to a divorce. Sometimes there's no choice. I get it. I understand it. Sometimes it's just taken away from you. But how about we start getting people to confront bad and outrageous behavior early on. I'm telling you, if we would do this early on, we wouldn't have the mess we're having. But it's like we're waiting so far. It's like people who, you know, they get a little bump on their arm or their leg or their chest or something, and then more bumps and more bumps and more bumps, and they don't want to see the doctor. You know, oh, no, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Pretty soon they're filled with tumors, and then they go to the oncologist and say, you know, what is it? Well, I got cancer. Oh, yeah, it's horrible. Can you fix it? Well, we'll try. But you know what? If you had caught that really early, have been a piece of cake by the time you wait till you're crawling with all kinds of stuff and you're sicker than a dog your your percentage of success drops like a rock a lot of times all they do is say well we'll make you as comfortable as we can while you're dying you know, how about we be smarter than that how about we stop being you know a lot of our marriage counseling and marriage support is 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 more like helping people die how about we be a little quicker on this stand up and fight for stuff so i'm a big 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 advocate of separating and in some cases uh, separation itself won't work because of, it depends on the state that you're in and the legalities and because sometimes if you separate the offending spouse can still destroy you financially sometimes your only choice is to file for a divorce and i'm even cool with that if you're using it as a means of separation to get their attention okay a lot of people filed for a divorce. It got the other spouse's attention. They came. They repented. They still were willing to work it out. And it saved their marriage. All right. So all that's fine. And again, I realize, you know, a lot of people have been divorced. And it's not about making you feel bad or anything. I'm just saying, hey, if we will do this stuff right. If we will do this stuff right. I mean, how much better we could save marriages. And we can see here. This is what happened. This guy is a complete jerk. She can't take it anymore. She leaves him. Four months, sure enough, here he comes. Here he comes. He comes back. We need more of those scenarios in our churches. More of those scenarios in, in our lives. Now, some people say, well, pastor, that's inappropriate. A woman should just be submissive. You know, I really love these guys who com- act like complete asses, complete self-centered jerks, complete, you do this, woman, you do this for me, do that for me, and they do nothing and then they use the Bible to justify this. These are the guys who are quick to quote well, the Bible says, "Submit. Woman submit." In fact, Paul said, "A woman should submit in everything, in everything. And they just use this as, you know, their twisted misinterpretations of this, to do nothing but to badger women into empowering them to act like pigs. When the Bible said, when Paul wrote about this, he says, look, a woman should submit, yeah, 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 but a man should love his wife like Christ loved the church. And what picture of Christ do these things guys think they're living out when they're never around, they're never supportive, all they do is demand what they want, they won't help in any way, they just want their wife to serve them and service them, and then to have the cojones, to turn around when she's upset and to quote scriptures at her. Hey, woman, you need to submit. You are delusional acting like a pig. You're not acting like anything like Jesus. What picture of that? Where do you see, where do you get here that Jesus came around and sat around on his butt all day long and said, day hey, disciples, bring me some more bonbons, you know. And somebody, somebody peel my grapes. Oh, there's too much skin on these grapes. It's too much work. Just do what I say. I'm God, you know, submit to me. Where where, where do you get that picture? The picture of Jesus was He comes and He serves them. He gets down, the Son of God, the Creator of heaven and earth, gets down and He washes the dirt off of their feet. I mean, even they were appalled by this. Jesus says, No, 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 you have to understand. He who is the least is the greatest. It's about serving. This is the picture of a man, how he's supposed to be in his soul. And dude, we don't get a lot of this here. Most of this, the guys who quote these kind of scriptures are morons who go to really stupid churches that quote these scriptures, misquote, I should say, these scriptures out of context. And, 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 and so we don't have a whole lot of this. But there's guys that are just such jerks otherwise. And then they quote the Bible at them. Oh, you just need a cement. A pastor asked him, You can't tell a woman to su- 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 separate from her husband. She just needs to submit. She just, you are insane. Goodness gracious. What picture? How you even. Ju- I'll tell you what. In my opinion, when a man is not serving his wife like Christ. Jesus says, Paul says, you need to serve your wife like Christ served the church who loved the church and gave himself for the church. Sacrifice. He, on the cross, he gave everything for her, the church. And in my opinion, if you're not living by that kind of model, dude, you have, you have absolutely given up your right to expect a woman to treat you with respect. I get it. I mean, no, none of us are perfect in that way, but we shouldn't just have an attitude. But you you are just a blatant, offensive, self-serving man who neglects your family, curses at your wife, finds your children just nothing but an inconvenience, and woman, do this and do this for me. Don't tell me what to do. I don't want to do anything. And then you think you have the right to take scriptures now and apply them to her? You forsake that right. If you can't live as a Christian man, and I'll tell you what, Any man who has to quote to his wife to submit, man, that's a bad sign. I'll tell you, a man who's really living this stuff out doesn't need to quote to his wife to submit. Because women don't have a problem submitting and respecting men that love them, who will serve them, who will think first about them. Stuff drives me crazy. And it's a short drive. All right, so check it out. Get back to our story. She leaves him four months. Sure enough, just as Pastor Mark projects, they come back crawling. She finally has his attention. And uh, she took him into, uh, what did it say? He had with him his servant and two donkeys, and she took him into her father's house. She brought him in, and when the father saw him, he gladly welcomed him. So his father-in-law, the girl's father, is kind of dysfunctional thing because she's really a concubine but anyway it's acting father-in-law prevailed upon him to stay so he remained with him three days eating and drinking and sleeping there. so obviously the guy comes back he's in a positive frame of mind he's trying to win the girl back and dad's happy to see him and they're all great so they get up And it says on the fourth day, they got up early and he prepared to leave. But the girl's father said to his son, Look, get something to eat, then you can go. And they sat down and they ate and drank. And afterwards, the father said, Please stay the night and enjoy yourself. By the way, this picture, we've read this before, uh, I believe in Genesis, where kind of a funny culture. They would get up and they would get ready to leave. And then they say, well, don't leave. Sit down, relax a little bit. You need some food before you eat? And hours would go by and then we'd get late. And then they'd say, oh, it's too late now to to leave. And they they would drag us out for days. I mean, saying goodbye in this culture was like impossible. They they didn't like people, uh, you know, taking off. I mean, it was nice. It was a very warm uh, culture. And, you know, who knows, maybe it's because as fast as you could move, it was just as fast as you could walk or ride on a camel or something. So it wasn't like they had people coming in and out of their lives all the time. But it was all part of the culture. So anyway, so he asked them to stick around and da-da-da-da-da. Well, anyway, at some point, um, he uh, uh, finally leaves with a concubine and she goes back with him. By the way, this will cost her her life to go back with this guy. Now, in all fairness, I don't think she could have Foreseen this, um, I'm assuming. Again, we don't know. We're going to see what kind of guy he is at his core in a minute. But how much of that she could see? Uh, but uh, you know, she was smart enough to get away from this guy because he was so self-centered. She, he comes back. He wins back the girl. He goes back. And and I think overwhelmingly, you know, uh, if a guy comes back and he's willing to repent and go for counseling, all this, whatever you, the demands are in your life to to save the marriage then you need to take him back. Uh, in this particular case, didn't, didn't, didn't pan out well for her. Um, so anyway, so they, they get up in the go and uh, let's pick it up at verse 11. When they were near Jebus and the day was almost gone, the servant said to his master, he said, well, come on, let's, let's stop at this city of the Jebusites and spend the night. And his master replied, no, no, we don't we want to go to an alien city. These people are not of our faith. We, don't, let's, we will go to Gibeah and he added come let's try and reach Gibeah or Ramah and spend the night in one of those places because this was a place where his own people people of his own faith uh, (laughs) I don't want to go off on another rabbit trail here but I mean here's again you you would think that your safest place would be among people of faith Um, it turned out that wasn't the case uh, for her as we're going to learn in just a minute as she is uh dies in a very brutal way. Um, you would think the faith community would be there to protect. Oftentimes it is not. And uh and a lot of what I'm talking about, you know, especially and help people work through relations and stuff like that. I think the church needs to be there. We need to be involved in people's lives. It's not about being a cult or I'm I'm just talking about being a family where people are there for one another, to help support one another and protect uh one another. Uh, but anyway, so they decided to go hang out there. So they went on and the sun set as they neared Gibeah and Benjamin and they stopped to spend the night. Uh, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, he goes and they're, they're staying with this guy there. And, uh, and he welcomes them into their house. Okay, so let's pick it up at verse 22. Now while they were enjoying themselves, he's hanging out this guy. You know, the guy's happy. He's, he's sitting there. Let's say some, some wicked men of the city surrounded the house. And they were pounding on the door and they shouted to the old man who owned the house, bring out the man who came to your house so we can have sex with him. What does this sound like? Sounds like Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, same scenario. These guys saw, you know, this, these new guys come in and Ooh, we've never had sex with these guys and let's have sex with them. And we, you know, apparently they were good looking enough that they wanted to, you know, these guys, the depravity of some of these nations was unbelievable. Now, keep in mind, this is supposed to be in a Christian not a Christian a Jewish city a faith city uh, and and the wicked people of the city come and they're banging on the doors and wanting to have sex with these guys my question is okay it said specifically the wicked men of the city did this my question is where were the righteous men where were the righteous men you see all and and a lot of us have heard this phrase for many many years all that wickedness needs to succeed is for good men to do nothing Where are the righteous men standing up and confronting the unrighteous men? Where are the good men who are confronting and challenging and getting in the face of men who are acting badly like this? I mean, at some level, you know, I'm trying to encourage women, you know, if they need to, to take a stand and get away, but where are the guys? And you see some guy, especially if he calls himself a Christian, acting in in ways that are bad and self-centered and stuff, as a good man, the most moral thing you can do is stand up for that situation and confront this guy. Say, dude, what are you doing? Where are you, what are you doing? Where, where were the righteous men of the city who should have been protecting the honor of the others? We don't see any of them. And uh, you say, well, they, they, uh, maybe they didn't know about it. No, no, no. This whole thing leads to a war. This whole thing leads to war, and the rest of the tribes of Israel come and they almost completely eliminate uh, this tribe from the face of the earth, because they held them responsible. They should. Have. Where were the good men? Boy, if that isn't a cry today. Where are the good men? Where are the righteous men? We're supposed to be protectors. We're supposed. God's given us the physical and and, and emotional strength as men. Dude, not that women are weak and they can't live without men. Man, a lot of women do fine without men. But God has given us the physical strength. And the presence and the emotional strength to protect women and children. Where is that happening in churches today? You know, it seems like one of the things that so happens so much in the, in, in the faith communities is avoid conflict at any cost. Let's avoid conflict. If there's going to be conflict, oh, everybody freaks and, and cries and comes unglued. We'll do everything for the sake of peace, we'll put people in, in harm's way, as we will see here in a minute. For the sake of peace, let's let's, let's, let's not not have an argument. Let's let's not confront anybody. Let's not not challenge a man who's acting badly. Let's not get involved. Let's, let's, you know, I just just want to sit quietly in church and as soon as we're done, get, get out of here before anybody sees I was here. Where are the good men? Anyway, the owner of the house went outside to these wicked men and said, no, my friends, don't be so vile. This man is my guest. Don't do this disgraceful thing. They're bang on the door. Hey, throw that guy out. We want to have sex with this guy. Look, now, now, again, this is mortifying, and this isn't the first time we've read this in the Old Testament. They treated women, sadly, oftentimes about the same as about a notch above cattle and chickens. So here they're trying to do this vile thing to this man. His solution, this owner of the home, is well, here's my virgin daughter. You can have her. And, and, and there's his, his concubine. I'll bring them out to you now, and you can use them and do whatever you want with them. Oh, what a wonderful man. Again, where's the protectors? Where's the protectors? But to this man, don't do such a thing. He says, but the man wouldn't listen. Well, then the guy. Who's in our story? Nobody does give us his name. I don't think anywhere does it. Uh, well, you know this Levite, and it's good they didn't give us name. He doesn't even deserve to have his name said. The guy's a pig. So anyway, this this guy he intervenes and he just takes his concubine and and throws her out to him, out to them. Now this is the man, who clearly, this woman had left him, because he was, obviously, a self-centered jerk. I mean, at some point she couldn't stand being around him. Went home to dad. He comes back, tries to win her back. But the minute his life is in danger, the minute he's threatened, he throws her to these men. This guy is an ass. Self-centered, stubborn guys who act just like this. Oh, not literally, not throwing her to the men, but I just wonder if they, if they weren't in a situation, a lot of guys wouldn't do this too. Because all they care for at the end of the day is me. It's me, it's me, what I want. And at all costs, I have to protect who I am and what I want. And if that means sacrificing my children, so be it. If it means sacrificing my wife, so be it. These are not men. These are animals. And our culture today is filled with guys like this. Just ticks me off. So the man took his woman that he went to say, come back home. I'll be there for you. I'll, yeah, until, until his neck was on the line. You see, that's what I said last week. When you guys are dating, both women and men, you single guys, you single women, when you're dating, don't look how people act. Look how they react. Look how they react. It's during the reactions. And if they react badly, get away from them. If under pressure they become needy, real, controlling little, Get away from them. If during bad pressure times they get angry and cursed, get away from them. And don't buy this, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, I, I don't know what happened. I, you know, I don't usually act that way. And, and oh, okay. no, 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 no. What you're looking for during the dating process, reactions. Because anybody can act any way they want. This guy acted wonderful. He came all the way back. He came back to get the girl. He listened to Pastor Mark. Go back for the girl. He goes back for the girl happy to see him they're hanging they're just oh don't leave yet we're having a good time wonderful guy even seems to make the right choice doesn't want to go out by the heathens they're on people of faith oh there's a good man good man a good man until so the heat comes on and look how he reacts I guess is she probably if she'd been looking would have seen those kind of maybe she did maybe that's why she left him in the first place I don't know so he throws her out to them and they raped her and abused her throughout the night And at dawn, they let her go. At daybreak, the woman went back to the house where her master was staying and she fell at the door and lay there until daylight. Now, I don't know if she fell and couldn't quite get to the door. I mean, she's literally at the door. We're going to see here. Um, Well, let's keep reading it. When her master got up in the morning and opened the door of the house, he stepped out. Uh, to continue on his way, and there lay the concubine, fallen in the doorway of the house with her hands on the threshold. Now it doesn't say, but you, you've got to wonder if she finally, after being abused and such a and she and he gets there and she's like this with her hand, she probably, probably it knocked. Probably help. Oh no, no, can't be bothered. I don't know. What was that noise? I, I don't know. Maybe those guys trying to rape me again. I, I don't. Don't answer the door. And This woman abused by these wicked men because her husband, as such as it was, sent her out to them to protect himself. So he opens the door to continue on his way, and 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 here she is on the doorway. Her hands on the threshold, and look at the compassionate way this man talks to her. He says to her, Get up, let's go. (sighs) Get up, let's go. No, oh my gosh, are you okay? Oh, how horrible is this? What a travesty. I'm, I'm just, I hope this irritates you as much as it irritates me. Come on, come on, woman. Come on, woman, come on, let's go, woman, come on. Unaware that she's now dead. wouldn't surprise me if he didn't get irritated because she didn't respond right away. Happened to be dead. How dare you be dead? I'm talking to you, woman. There's no answer. That's when he realizes she's dead. Then the man put her on his donkey and set out for home. When he reached home, he... he, (laughs) These are such dysfunctional people. Clearly, clearly. I mean, I'm using analogies today. I mean, these people were off the charts. So so his solution is when he gets home, he takes a knife and he starts cutting her up in pieces. 12 pieces. Limb by limb. He cuts her into 12 parts and then he puts them in a box and sends them UPS to all the guys in Israel. You know, Obviously they didn't have UPS, I don't know how they sent it, but <laughs> how do you send, them? who do you, who carries this as mail? Here I, got, I got a leg for you, can I deliver this over to, you know, the tribe of Judah? As he wraps it up, I mean, how does this not stink? So you guys carry it, man I don't know if this guy said it, but this sausage is really smelling bad. Oh my gosh! So anyway, he he emails her in 12 parts to the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, everyone who saw it was totally freaked out. Well, yeah, you think? Such a thing has never been seen or done. Not since the day Israelites came up out of Egypt. Think about it. Consider it. Tell us what to do. I mean, they are mortified. Who in the world... Sends pieces of a woman to the city leaders in each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Chapter 20. Then all the Israelites from Dan to Beersheba and all the land of Gilead came out as one man to assemble before the Lord in Mizpah. The leaders of all the people of the tribes of Israel took their places in the assembly of of the people of God. 400,000 soldiers armed with swords. The Benjamites heard that the Israelites had gone up to Mizpah so they, they knew about this then uh, you know because this is, this, is, this is where these guys were at the Benjamites are a little nervous now you know oh yeah because uh, you know what, what's going on no one was there to protect this woman no one stood up for righteousness even though this guy was an incredible obnoxious jerk for crying out loud Anyway, the Israelites tell us, tell us how this awful thing happened so the Levite Again, still unnamed, as far as I can tell. Good, he doesn't deserve to have a name. The Levite, the husband of the murdered woman, said, Well, I and my concubine came uh, to uh, Gibeah in Benjamin. We came where the Benjamites were at, because that's where the Benjamites are now. They're, they're nervous. They're nervous. You know, they see everybody's getting really angry about what happened. They were, of course, they were all too busy, too bothered to do anything about it. We kind to spend the night. During the night, the men of Gibeah came after me and surrounded the house, intending to kill me. And they raped my concubine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you sent her out there. Kind of, kind of, leave those. you know, we're fabulous. We're fabulous when we tell the details. I mean, it's one of the things that I get some of these emails, you know, you, you just have to remember whenever you're hearing one side of the story, you're just hearing one side of the story. People always retell the story in the best possible light for them. Yeah, they were, they were going to kill me. And then, and then they write my concubine, poor concubine. Yeah, you know, I didn't. Oh, well, by the way, I'm the one who sent her out there. Didn't hear that. Well, then she died. And I took my concubine and I cut her into pieces. <laughs> and sent one piece, piece to each reader. You know, you could have sent a letter, I suppose. Although you got to hand it to the guy, it was pretty effective, it got everybody's attention. Because they committed this lewd and disgraceful act in Israel. What ticks me off about this guy is he should have been the one fighting for her. Anyway, now all you Israelites, speak up and give you a verdict. This is a horrible travesty. Horrible travesty. Horrible travesty. And all the people rose as one man saying none of us will go home. No, not one of us will return to this house. But now this is what we'll do to Gibeah. We'll go up uh, against it. As the lot directs, we'll take 10 men out of every 100 From all the tribes of Israel. A hundred from every thousand. And we're getting everybody together. We're going to go kick these guys butts. And they have a big yo mama stinking war. Uh, And they bring serious punishment. Down on the Benjamites. As they should have. Because they held the rest of the men. Responsible. For not standing up. When they should have been. Where were the good men? Couldn't be bothered. Oh, yeah, well, they're going to be bothered now. And when they get into this huge battle, we'll pick this up uh, next Wednesday and just show you what happens here uh, in this battle. But it, it virtually wipes out uh, the entire tribe. And they had to go through uh, some extraordinary measures to make sure that the tribe didn't disappear from the face of the earth because these guys came with a vengeance and and just made them pay a... Frighteningly horrible price for the way that they behave, and anyway, a lot of a lot of disturbing stuff in the Old Testament, and this is certainly one of the biggies here in the story. And hope, hopefully, we can learn some things from this. And man, let's be men. Let's be real men. Let's do things the right way, you girls. If you're in a bad situation in your marriage, come talk to somebody. Come talk to us. If you have a husband that is acting in a really bad way and none of us know about it, of course, everybody's really great at hiding their little secrets. You need to speak up. You do not tolerate this, and you do not stay. If you stay in those homes, all you're doing, and you continue to have no price, this guy keeps to get everything, well, you tell him how you feel. Well, whoop things can do. If there's no consequences... You're not going to get through to these guys. It's consequences that men understand. You notice the Benjamites, they didn't sit down and talk with them. Now, there's serious consequences, got their attention. Men overwhelmingly respond to consequences. A man always asks himself at some subconscious level, What's the result of what I do? And if he's comfortable with the result and what he gets, he's good with what he does. He doesn't hear the words what are the consequences in your life and i'm concerned that there's uh we have a whole generation of women who don't know how to deal with men and they literally empower these men to behave in horribly bad ways and they don't understand what's going on and uh, and we need to be there as a church anyway if you're in a situation where you're in a marriage where you are i mean you can tell you are slowly dying on the inside you're one of these that eventually you get to a point where you'll, you won't care anymore and you'll divorce him anyway. You need to come talk to us. You need to help some of the men in the church to step in and surround you and be a family. And If we need to confront your husband, we need to be confronted. Well, he bought, he'll be upset. Yeah, he needs to be upset. We cannot tolerate this stuff. It is time that we as people of faith and as a family of faith say enough. No more. We are not going to tolerate this kind of stuff. We will tolerate this no longer. Doesn't mean we hate people. Doesn't mean that we'll condemn them and judge them. No, no, no. I'm saying we need to fight for stuff while everyone still cares, while there's still a chance of saving it. People need to get comfortable with fighting for the right things. And you can do this in a way that is love-based, that is mercy-oriented, I'm not saying yelling, screaming, cursing. What, what is that? We're not talking about that. We're talking about confronting really bad behavior and saying we're not going to do this anymore until we get this right. Don't be sitting in situations where I'll come talk to you and you're at your wit's end and I'll say how long has this been going on and then you look at me and say well for the last 20 years or the last 18 years, or even the last six years. No, no, no. Enough. Okay? We deal with bad behavior, hurtful, destructive stuff, when it happens. The people who deal with stuff early, the people who go get their little bumps and stuff that are turning cancerous early, these are the people who, who survive You discover a woman who discovers a little bump in her breast and then goes to a doctor and they catch it early. These are the women who survive. Don't just keep ignoring the cancer in your lives. Thinking, well, gee, it'll it'll just get better. All right? Tough stuff. Anyway, we love you guys. We will see you again next Wednesday. Bye-bye.